Hello boys and ghouls, Kat here. Thanks for tuning in to the second episode of our new series, Behind the Screams, where we'll explore the world of fear, shock, and horror by talking to tastemakers in the genre. For our second episode, I had a chat with Neil McLaughlin, writer and director of the feature film I Was a Teenage Wear Skunk. If you listen to Boys and Ghouls regularly, you might remember Marshall and I mentioning that we filmed a cameo for this movie, and it's finally getting released to the public in late October. So... I took the opportunity to sit down with our director to talk to him about horror, comedy, screenwriting, filmmaking, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Enjoy! Here with Neil McLaughlin. Hi, Neil. Hello, Kat. Now, for uh, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for way. having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So, for for people who have clicked on this, and, and God bless you for clicking on uh, our second behind the screams uh, supplemental boys and ghouls episode. Um, who are like, who's Neil McLaughlin? I don't know who this person is. Well, that's the point. I'm trying to expose people to... Um, Wait, there's people out there that don't know who I am? I know. Who, believe it or not. Who, are, who is listening to <laughs> it's this? Crazy. Who are these people? Um, but uh, I thought it would be... Well, you you know, you let Marshall and I know that um, there are going to be some screenings of the film that we've talked about on our podcast before that you yes. wrote and directed coming up. And you thought maybe it'd be a good idea now that we're doing these supplemental behind the screens episodes to talk about it. And I thought that was a great idea. And um, I kind of want to use this opportunity to talk to you about our, our slash your experience filming the movie, um, but also uh, about your personal experiences being a filmmaker. Because I I think that we have probably a lot of listeners, uh, I know that a lot of people who listen to horror podcasts, they're really interested in getting into writing or directing. Like, they want to make horror movies. And these days it's really easy to kind of do that at home. Anyway, uh, we're going to get to that. I want to pick your brain about that experience Please of do. yours. Um, I was a teenage wear skunk that that uh, Neil wrote and directed. Is a bit of a horror spoof. I don't know yeah, if that's too oh, simplified. Homage, homage, homage sure. I mean, is that, better. Yeah, it's all of it. Um, so I want to talk to you a little bit before we talk about specifically your film okay. about horror in general and your sure. relationship to horror because I don't think I know this about oh. you other than I know that you have. Um, uh, 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 an acumen. I know that you have, um, and I, I know I know that you have a real, a m- well more than a working knowledge of horror movies, and probably a lot of experience watching them because you're so your movie is so. And I'm not just saying this because I'm in it. Um, so adept at navigating those tropes and all of that. Oh. So I know you're Thank a fan. You. Oh, um, without a doubt. Yeah, so let's go back. I'm going to take you in the way back machine, please. Like <laughs> right, Little Wayne's World. Um, what scared you as a child? Now, the interesting thing, well, I don't know how interesting it is, but horror things like ghosts and monsters and stuff, those actually don't scare me and okay. never have. Like, despite, like, I love horror movies, but I, they don't scare me. I just enjoy them. I find them really fun. Uh-huh. Um, but it's never been about being scared because I, just as a 
I guess, rational thinking person, I'm like, there are no, I mean, you can decide whether or not you think there are ghosts, but there's no monsters, you know, mm-hmm. and there's no, like, mo- there's no Freddy Krueger, there's no this, and even as a, even as a, a small child, and I was very young when I started watching horror movies, I knew that there weren't these things, yeah. you know, so, like, I enjoyed the ride. Um, How young? So what, do you remember your first? I mean, I was fascinated from a very young age, like, we... I didn't see my first, like, legit horror movies till I was probably, like, eight or nine or so, but I was always fascinated by, like, you know, we had HBO, and, like, I would look at, like, the HBO catalog and just, like, the, the Jason hockey mask, and I was just like, what is this? Or, you know, like, <laughs> I don't, and I, I wish I could tell you, like, what drew me to it, but I don't know. I sure. was just, or even, like, we didn't even have a VCR, but I would get whenever we were at, like, a strip mall or something, or there was a Marshall's clothing store where my mother would shop, and there was a video store attached, and, you know, this was the 80s when you would let your six year old son just hang out by himself in the video store because we weren't worried about yeah. you know you know law and order svu wasn't on the air yet <laughs> um but and i would just go to the horror section and i would just like look at these boxes and just i was just fascinated by them do you remember any one box in particular that really oh, hell, your well eye? i mean all the friday the 13th ones for mm-hmm. whatever reason but the 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 one and i i wonder if you might know what i'm gonna say but the sleepaway camp oh hell how yeah it had the, on the sure. back it had the letter like the letter home yes. and like people have been dying and then the letter ends with just like the pen smudge and there's blood splattered that's all a over great it. one i basket case was huge for me basket case but was that a good is one. one that i did then rent with my older brother and uh totally scarred me but and i haven't revisited that since i was a kid oh, i should do that yeah, well, it's. I think that's interesting. I, I'm so curious to hear that answer from people because a lot of people saw something that scarred them as a kid. Mm. Um, but most people, whether they did or not ha- see something that really scarred them, uh, have some kind of movie that's a trigger for them or or some kind of thing whether it's for me it's aliens uh scares the hell out of me because i just like i don't know if i believe in it Uh, it's the movie fire in the sky oh you know i think that's a i i've heard i have i've never actually seen that but yeah well i encourage you to go just youtube the scene uh the alien uh experimentation scene from that movie oh so you mean alien i I thought you meant the movie like no although no i absolutely love alien and aliens i love that franchise um no i'm talking about uh like the actual species generally speaking extraterrestrials freak me out paranormal stuff used to really get me not not as much anymore but most people i know it's like when for marshall is it because you believe like are you afraid that an alien is going to come and take you i don't know that they're not neil (laughs) look Ju- you can't, can't you can't that. prove the non-existence no, of something. I you know, you don't know. That's very anyway, true. it's and it's it's kind of hard though. Like sometimes you can trace that kind of thing back to a specific event, but I think m- more often than not, it's just some kind of weird gut instinct thing that freaks people. Okay, I like Marshall enough. doesn't love zombies. I mean, he'll watch zombie movies, but he because you know cre- creeps him out. Okay. Um, but the purge doesn't scare Marshall because he, as right. he says, uh, you get bit by a purge, you don't become a purge. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Uh, anyways, well, you know what did like it. it it wasn't it wasn't a uh, horror per se but like what scared me as a child was i saw red dawn and i was probably <laughs> seven or eight and that i don't know if you've seen this or remember like the opening scene was just these kids in a school and then all of a sudden these people start dropping down from helicopters and machine gunning people yeah. and that terrified me because it's like 
that can happen. And not only that, like, that was the middle, you know, it was the end of the Cold War and, like, nukes were a thing and, like, yeah. we were still kind of scared of that. And, I mean, so that I was that was terrifying. So me. then, uh, by that logic, do uh, does the idea of a real, like, a crazy, sick lunatic, like tearing your guts out of your <laughs> out of your butt like a human uh monster as it were not a not an oogie boogie i mean i guess if i think about it then short like i i one time uh recently got some new uh furniture for mm-hmm. my apartment and as we do here in la a lot of times is you'll go find these sort of day laborers who hang out outside home depot like rather than renting a truck and getting a friend to help mm-hmm. you you just find some guy outside home depot give him 40 bucks and he'll take his truck and drive you to the place and help you with the couch sure and he had like it was, wasn't a moving van, but it wasn't quite a U-Haul either, but it was this big truck with, like, this, you know, the, the big garage door back, and, like, it it crossed my mind that, like, what, like, because, you know, I get in this guy's car, and he drives me to where his truck is parked, and, and you know, I'm a big, strong dude, like, I probably shouldn't be worrying about, <laughs> about stuff like this, but there was, like, in my mind, like, what if this guy just, like, opens up the back and, like, shoves me in and slams the door down and that's his little torture chamber? And, Congratulations. Like, I mean, You're I still got into the car like, and the, got the, the couch. The general but... female experience. I, yeah. we, I mean, like, I'm glad to know that you've had that experience because I've had that experience. Not that specific one, but sure. a lot, like, moments in almost every day of my life where I have to, like, go, okay, well, uh, uh, yeah. is that person going to be the... Well, you know, that's how Ted Bundy got ladies. Absolutely. He pretended to be hurt and, well, Did will you, you help read, me? Um, what was it called? The one by the written by his friend? Oh, The Stranger. stranger beside yes. me not yet oh, that's uh so and rule i Anne haven't rule. read that yet but like, I, it's, it's unbelievable. On my like list. she just happened to be a true crime writer and she was best friends with ted Bundy, oh, and like, she was not working alongside him at a suicide hotline yeah it's unbelievable which uh the craziest thing to think about um alec my husband pointed this out to me is that um now not that killing people is ever a good thing but <laughs> ted bundy is net positive Oh, uh, you know he probably saved more lives on a suicide hotline than he murdered. Now, not to uh, <laughs> I n- diminish. I never thought about it that way. It's a terrible thing to uh, say, but well. so Neil. Yes. Yeah. Uh, does anything scare you now besides uh, the occasional sketchy human being? <laughs> uh, I, I, anything? I don't anything? know that I have a f- noises late at night. Uh, no, I mean, I get like... I, getting old and losing your yeah, mind. Getting old and... I mean, like, per, I guess perhaps, like, my own health and my... Like, I'm about... I'm going to be 40 next year, and I know that's still very young. Yeah. But Especially it's, you know, nowadays. for, you know, in your, your 20s and 30s, it's all... You don't, you don't think about, you know, you're just drinking and th- you're out and you're this and you're that and you're just doing it. And, like, you, you, like, you know you're going to die someday, but your own mortality, like... It's so far away, and like you do, you know. And then the older you get, and like you know, the aches and the pains, and oh, my chest hurts, and like, you know, <laughs> like all of a sudden, it's like the reality of my own inevitable death is like something I can now not quite touch, but more so than I, than yeah. I ever could before. I, and I mean, that's scary. And I, like, I don't know that I'm morbid. I'd sit around and think about all the, yeah. that all the time, but that's something that you know. I think that's the true horror. The the older I get, the more I start realizing, like, that's the true horror of getting older. Even if you stay relatively healthy, your mind, if you're lucky, and many, most people are, your mind stays young and, Mm -hmm. you know, you, yes, you learn more, you become wiser, but generally you feel like a young person and you have to watch your body deteriorate and there's nothing you can do about it. Right, it's fucking like you horrifying. can, you can, you can outrun Jason. Maybe I mean you can wake up from a Freddy dream, or you yeah. can maybe outswim Jaws. I don't yeah. know, but you nobody like death is undefeated. It's coming, <laughs> you know. Like there is nothing you death can. Death is undefeated. Yeah. That's your quote. Um, okay, favorite horror movie 
go. Oh, God. Doesn't uh, mean what you think the best horror movie is, so no pressure there, just pressure on the favorite. What do you pop in, you know, what's comfort food to you? What do you love more than anything? I would say, oh, my God. And you can do is, a couple if you can. Yeah, I mean, I, there's so many, like, different ways to, to like, and honestly, Len, you're probably, the, well, I think you're pretty straight straight across the board Halloween, right? Is yeah, your answer but it's this? just because it's sentimental, and that makes it an easy choice Right, and me. that's sort of where I was going to go is there's, you know, there is, like you said, there's the, well, what do I think is the best, most effective horror movie ever made? And I think that's probably Texas Chainsaw oh, Massacre, beautiful. personally. But is it my favorite? Like, no, probably not. And then, I mean, I'm tempted. It's it's such a hard question to answer. And it's like, ask me tomorrow, I'll give you a different one. Right, totally. But I mean, it's probably, the, the way you put it is like, what do I pop in? And again, this is kind of a, a cheat, but it would be any of the Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Streets like sure. and I know I just named I just named 22 no movies that's okay I, I think that's okay because another one of my questions was going to be favorite franchise so I, if you're those two are a really yeah. great answers and I think that that's just I think that's that has so much to do with you know nostalgia the time I was born and like I was saying earlier how looking at the you know the HBO guide with the masks and like I know that the Friday the 13th movies are not good movies you know Nightmare on Elm Street movies are a little better but not like, they're not good movies sure, you know like yeah. at least not in the way that like you know Psycho or Texas Chainsaw or something else I mean they're you know they're good in their own way but whatever you know what I mean but, I like that that idea that Marshall has put forth on our podcast before about uh how the Friday the 13th movies, like, you had your, each generation has their Jason. You know, like, yeah. the movie that they saw. Now, this probably doesn't really, this definitely doesn't line up with my age and what should have been my Jason. But because of, yeah, I had it on VHS and watched it over and over again, part six is my favorite Friday the 13th. Now, I, I wasn't, I, sh- probably mine I shouldn't well. have been because the age doesn't work out. But, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, okay. I read a novelization of Part Six when I was like ten what? years old. Before, <laughs> yeah, I it was, want to it read was a playing novelization. At the theater and I, could, I must have been. I think I was in fourth grade. It was, it was at eighty six, eighty five, or something. Um, and I think yeah, it was 86, and nobody yeah. was going to take me to the theater to, right. to see that. And but there was, a, and my parents were fairly cool about the horror movie stuff. But again, we didn't have a VCR. We, you know, so I, I didn't have <gasps> access to them. But there but was you a novelization. Found a book. Yeah, it was a. It was just I at must the, at find the supermarket this. or whatever. And, um, so yeah, I have a, and and also it had the Alice Cooper uh, soundtrack, which oh, to yeah. this day is, it, I, I fell in love with Alice Cooper because of Man Behind the Mask, and still it's, to this day I'm going to see him at the Palladium next video. month. Really? Yeah. I wonder if he'll play it. It's a bucket list. He thing has for to. Me. If I've it's next month in October, he must. So. Um, yeah. Okay. Do you have an opinion on the what you think is the scariest movie? I know you said you don't get scared, but. Um, I would, I think I would probably go back to, I think I would say Texas Chainsaw. Again. Okay. Or can, can, does Jaws count? Sure. Of course. Yeah. I know. I mean, and to say like, I mean, I guess we should differentiate between, like I can be held in suspense. Like, I mean, a, a, a boo scare, a gotcha scare can make me jump or I yeah. mean, I can be so wrapped up in a story that I'm tense, but totally. I mean, that can also happen like in a sports movie, uh-huh. you know? So I don't know that that's necessarily fear, but it's, you right. know. And I also think there's a difference between, I think jump scares can be fairly easy to execute, but it's the things sure. that keep you up at night, which there aren't very many moments I've had, but I can point to a few, or not even just up like at what? night, but like things you'll think about later. Well, I've, I've probably said this on the podcast already, but there was a Turkish movie I saw um, last, last uh, I don't know, several months ago called Baskin that is on, uh, I think it's on Netflix now. I've never heard of this. It's, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it was so unlike anything I'd ever seen, and it's not, it's not excellent, but it's um, effective, 
for sure um, and really messed up and don't eat dinner right before you watch it. But <laughs> wow. I came home from seeing that. I saw it at Cinefamily um, and I did not sleep until the sun came up. Now, it wasn't because I was scared of something happening to me. It was just because the things that happened in that movie that I will not describe here um, because I can't I don't even want to speak them out loud were so shocking and like just like I couldn't believe what I was seeing and there's there is in particular one actor in that movie that was so horrifying in his demeanor and like kind of the way he I don't want to say though he looks this way naturally and it's kind of incredible and he wasn't an actor and they found him but his voice the combination of the he has this really deep voice in the way and he's speaking a different language and the combination of things and he was so sadistic that the character really stuck with me. Anyway, wow. I'm gonna it, look this up. it's a little Hellraiser-y sort of, sure. but not, not, I don't want to give it the credit of being as brilliant as that. But anyway, that movie kind of, I was at home like watching, like eye bleaching myself with like <laughs> sex in the city, you know, just dumb stuff because I needed to not think you know, about you it. You just reminded me of, of I do have a, a horror movie thing that kind of scarred me as a child. And that this is another subject that I know is close to your heart is Stephen King. Oh, yeah. Uh, his Pet cemetery, the Zelda character. Oh, don't even get and me started. And that might be a combination of the sort of afraid for your own mortality thing where like I wasn't necessarily afraid that Zelda was going to come get me, but I was afraid that that was going to happen to me. That yes. I was going to become well, Zelda. And that says, was actually literally kept me up She at says, night, like, never get out of bed again. Ugh, She's like, I'm yeah. going to. And you know what I love knowing now as an adult is I believe that's a man in that as playing that character. Oh, I think I've heard they, that. They wanted it to be slightly, I don't yeah. know, off-putting or something that gets complicated. But also, if you think about it, she says she has spinal meningitis, which right, doesn't which make no, you look like that. No. But I think it must be, it's kind of like the embodiment of the fear that a child feels oh, for that situation. I mean, if, if the internet had existed monster. back then, I would have been all up in WebMD. And like, I mean, I was obsessed with, but I mean, in, in 1980. Eight or whatever that was, like you had no idea to get more no. information. Like you're no. just like spinal meningitis is just this thing you can get, and it twists you all up, and you turn into this, oh, this and you're, gnarly and you're beast yellow and, and like, nasty, oh. and you take other people oh. down with you. Yeah. Yes, Zelda, I think, yeah. is a I common lost, thread amongst our childhood nightmares. Okay. <laughs> yes, um, favorite subgenre is that a is that a slasher? Oh, a slasher. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. knew it. Yeah. Um, which we'll talk. We can also talk about later, but I think sure. you're you're working on an '80s slasher. I am. Yeah, you are. I am. You, um, you and Marshall have roles, by the way. I'm so excited favorite sequel oh like for me it's friday part six or west craven's new nightmare that's also a, a favorite. all right you know what i'm gonna this is i might be cheating a little bit because this there's a specific story attached to this um but i wait back in the early 80s when i'm eight or nine years old i had this friend uh, scott who lived a few houses down from me and he uh his parents were separated, and his dad lived in my neighborhood, and his mom lived in Cape Cod, so he would come visit for school vacations and stuff, and so his dad was like, you know, because he didn't get to see the kids that much, so he was the cool dad that would rent the R-rated movies and stuff, and so I would always go over to his house and watch the horror movies, and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 had just come out, and we, I like, you, nothing could make me more, like, I wanted to see this movie so badly and it finally come out and again we didn't have a v my family didn't have a vcr until much much later in my childhood but uh so uh scott was around and his dad was going like on a date or something and they were going to have a babysitter and he was going to rent him a couple of movies and i was allowed to come over and you know eat the candy and watch the movie and the movie we were going to get was nightmare on elm street part two and i mean this like this was christmas like i would have canceled christmas that year for yeah. this night and so he comes back from the video store. And again, this is like the one mom and pop video store in town who they just have the one copy of the movie. Like there's no blockbuster. Like, you know, this is, you know, 86, whatever. Yeah. And the video was checked out. 
and we were devastated. Like it was like it was a it was some some well, may as well ruined. have died. Everything's yeah, I mean ruined. it was it was the worst. Like I mean the worst. And so the babysitter shows up, this woman, Vicky, who she actually had babysat for me and, and it, as well. Anyway, we knew who this person was. So she she comes over and we're all sad. And we're, I mean, we're just dying here. And she's totally like, bombed. Yeah, and she's like, what's it like? What's the matter? And like, oh, we were so we had our heart set on seeing Nightmare on Elm Street, too. But somebody checked it out of the video store, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, you know who checked it out? Me. It's in my truck right now. No. She was the one. And she didn't check it out for us. She had checked it out for herself. But she was the one that had checked that it out. That is it was, incredible. And it was in her car. And happiest moment of my life. <laughs> never been never happier. Never got better. I've never been happier that than I was in that moment. That is a beautiful story. And, so, and you were happy, obviously, with it? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and I still, and, and to this day, like, it's still, and it's probably, arguably the worst of the series. You know, it just gets in a, better in a every time I watch it, though. Right. I mean, and, and yeah, I mean, it's great for the reasons that it's great. I mean, you you and I under, understand these things. But just as a movie, like, it's 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 garbage. It doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's crap, but it's, we it's love it. It's a wonderful um, ex- exercise in homo horror, I think. When you kind of when you kind of really look at it for what it, for what it is. And isn't and it for funny what... that we had no idea? Like, growing no. up, like, it didn't even hit me till really kind of, re- like, in my early 20s, I was finally like... This movie's kind of gay, kind of gay, you know. And then you do yeah. a little more reading about it, and you realize that it, like, all along, like, you know, the gay community had embraced it all along because right. they got it, right? But like, have you heard about that documentary that's coming out? It's called Scream, comma Queen oh, exclamation no. point. So Scream Queen, um, and it's uh, it is about um, Mark Patton, the the yeah, the actor, the lead actor. Jesse. Yeah, and um, I, I mean, I don't know if it's come out yet. I'm glad you brought that up because I need to look into that. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting because I think that in a, I don't know if it was in Nightmares in Red, White, and Blue or maybe the the Nightmare on Elm Street, that, that really long Never yeah, Sleep yeah, Again yeah. doc yeah, or whatever. Yeah. They did a segment on, on the movie and, Mark, you know, they interview all of the um, – all of the productions like Sarah Risher and all the people who were and none of them had an idea of how gay it right. was and they cut to Mark Patton and he's like yeah obviously well because he turned out to gay. be to be he's, gay he's right gay. was he out when they shot or I don't think do so which is what yeah. also makes uh part I think because the director knew what he was doing too like he was had to. talking about it later it's kind of like ha like yeah. I snuck one in on you straight people yeah but you... but I think part of what Mark uh discusses in this documentary from from what I can tell is um, and the movie had something to do with why he never acted again, I think. But he talks about being not being out um, because in that time it was tough to be sure. out, especially as an actor, a, a male actor. And right, um, right, right. I like I think I cried the first time I saw that trailer for that movie that I haven't seen yet because I was like, oh, my God, this movie is this movie starts to mean Scream so much more Queen. to me and everyone else. Yeah, it's called Scream oh, Queen. That's, anyway, that's yeah, I need to I need to find out if it's if it's come out yet. Um, all right. Uh, favorite director? Oh boy, um, I don't know. I don't think <laughs> I don't think I have one. I mean, there's no, and if I did, it probably wouldn't be like. I mean, I'll always get excited for the latest, or at least curious for like when there's a new Tarantino or a new David Fincher. But like, I don't know. I'm not really a director guy. Yeah, I was really excited about Eli Roth when he first hit the scene. Like Cabin Fever, Cabin blew Fever's my fun. doors off, yeah. and Hostel I thought was amazing. Hostel Two. I really liked it at the time, and I also went to the first, the, the, I had just moved to L.A., and my friend Jeremy took me to the opening night screening at the, in the dome at the Arclight, and Eli sat right in front Whoa. of us and with his parents, and so I was just like, I was watching him the whole time. Such it was, an L.A. experience. Yeah, and especially, like, to have just moved here, too. Like, if that happened now, it's like, oh, there's Eli Roth, that's neat, you know, but then it was like, you know, you feel differently about those things. Yeah. But since then, I don't know, he, like, he's kind of, he's 
lagged off in his productivity. I mean, I'm sure he's producing things and whatever, but like in the, the last He worked on the movies, terror tram for Halloween Horror Nights this yeah, year, I mean, <laughs> which was fun. It's fun. It's a whole clown story. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure time. he's staying busy, but like, I don't know, man. Like, you put a, put out a movie every year or two, would you? Sure, <laughs> you know, in the last couple, he I wasn't crazy about the Green Inferno, and I haven't seen um, that, but I'm going to be watching it for our November episode because yeah, we're doing cannibals. Oh, yeah, exciting. I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, that. Um, favorite favorite bad guy is it a is that a is that also a Jason Freddy situation? Um, I think that would also be a Jason Freddy situation. Yeah, I'm sorry. Cool. It's, I'm just, it's just such a product. You know, they say that, and I mean, whoever they is and what research has been done, I don't know, but it is said that the stuff that you're into when you're 12 years old, or at least in that window, is the stuff that really resonates with you. Yeah. And that's kind of when I was 12, that would, you know, that was, you know, all those Friday the 13th totally. and Nightmare on Elm Streets, and I mean, that was just, that was the... You know, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince had their Nightmare on Elm Street yeah, song, and I mean, it was right. just the thing, you know. And so that's yeah. My I was I'm younger than you, but my brother I had an older brother who um, kept me exposed to the stuff that like maybe shouldn't have been my time period. I mean, I'm mm. totally um, loyal to my late '90s, like early 2000s horror, even yeah. though a lot of it was crap at the time. But that's when I was a teenager. I noticed that on, on when you I heard, I listened to your episode that you did with the the creep guy. Is his name Daniel? Daniel, and, yeah. And you two, I, I think you're probably the same age, yeah. right? And because like his list was all like Scream One and Scream Two, yes. and I know what you did last summer, and it's like that's to, like the, the age that you guys were when those were coming out. It was the age I was. That's right. You know, with these, yeah. with these. But Freddy I still have that stuff. connection with the Freddie and Jason stuff because right. my brother got me so into them, and we would sit at home and watch that. And also, like, some of the really weird shit that was at the video store, like, uh, the Dream, the Wishmaster movie. Oh, sure, yeah. And, um, uh, like, oh, um, I always think about uh, D. Snyder's Strangeland. Strange That's Land. one I watched a lot. Cube, which is, like, a Canadian. Did Cube. you ever see? I, I know what it oh, is, man, but I never saw such it. A, anyway. Um, all right. Is there a kill that is the hardest for you to watch oh. in a horror movie? Like, just really scriggles your squickle. Like, you just can't, like, you gotta turn away. I'm sure, there's probably a better answer to this, but the first thing that's coming to my mind, and maybe it's because I just mentioned this movie, but with the girl, and it's not necessarily even a kill, but when the girl is uh, shaving her legs in cabin fever in the bathtub and the skin just, or, and also there's a scene in Dead Alive, I think it's Dead Alive, which this woman, she's like becoming a zombie, like she's in that phase where she's still human, but she's becoming a zombie. And she goes to put like blush on her cheek, and her the skin of her cheek just tears oh. off. So I think it was something with peeling skin. Sure. The, speaking of shaving, in uh, you're reminding me in the in New Evil Dead, the Evil Dead remake, when um, it, she's yeah. not shaving, but there's a yeah. scene where she's hiding in the little like shed, and there's uh, the I don't know what's I haven't rewatched that movie in a while, but there's something coming through on her shins. It's like I don't know if it's a chainsaw. Or, I don't remember. I don't remember this. Anyway, I remember there was something with that an eye brutal. in that movie, right? Ooh. There was like a oh. Oh, yeah. Eye scene. That's a skin crawler. Yeah. If you could live in any town in a horror movie, which town would it be? Oh, my. If I could live in any town in a horror movie, which town would it be? God, Kat, you have to prepare me for these questions. No. Um, um, oh, my God. I can throw some thoughts out. I'm trying to think of, Texarkana, you know. Uh... Whatever town, Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, you want to get. But what is what would that? it be about that town? Oh, you know what? I, you know what I would say is, um, I'm not sure if this is the name of the town, but Crystal Lake. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I guess from that just that small town and the people in the general store and Crazy Ralph, crazy and I just Ralph. love me a lake house. You know, yeah. like, I don't want to be killed by There's Jason. There's a but death like, goose. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So there you go. Crystal Amazing. Lake. Is that the name of the town? Or did I they ever say? can't remember. Crystal Lake, New Jersey. Which is terrible. Um, they may never say it. I don't, I don't know. know if they do. They may not. They probably do. Daniel's probably screaming at, right now at the at, at his sorry, phone. Just because he probably knows. Isn't that the worst when you're listening to a podcast and people are like brain farting yeah. and you just want to be like, you want to like my, tell them, it's but my, it's It's so like hard. something that I've had to just be at peace with with myself, knowing that whether it's a brain fart or whether it's something I simply haven't seen yet, I'm a human. Mm-hmm. I can only watch so many horror movies. Of course. And it's a pet peeve of mine when people are like, you haven't seen that. You're dead to me. I'm like, <laughs> Jesus, I'm sure there's something you haven't seen. Yeah. Anyway. There's a lot of all right, see. let's talk about I Was a Teenage oh, Wear Skunk. Oh, all right, let's do that. Let's talk about your okay. movie. All right. When did you, what, I mean, what What inspired you to, to Is it was it your first completed screenplay and then you got it uh, up or oh, have, no, have, no. have you written I, a lot? I had written probably four or five by that point. And when I first started writing screenplays, I was really fast. Like I would write a screenplay. There, there was a couple that I wrote in you know, the course of two or three days, you know, and wow. I mean, that your first drafts, sure. you know, but like, I mean, I would just, I would just go, you know, that's like, how Kevin Williamson wrote Scream. Yeah. I think probably a lot of people are like that when they first start, you know, um, things are just like exploding out of you. Um, but so I had probably written four or five complete screenplays and then I woke up one morning. This was pro- this was a long time ago. This was probably 2007, maybe. And, uh, I was hungover, which isn't <laughs> that out of the ordinary, <laughs> especially back then. <laughs> Um, and I shot out of bed with this idea of, I, I love, um, you know, like Leave it to Beaver, Andy Griffith, type, like just love that world. Like I've, for what, for whatever reason, you know, yeah. like the ha- happy days, back to the future, stand by me. It's like, it might've come from it. Like mm. it was so huge for me as a child. Um, anyway, so I love that. And I also love slashers as we discussed. And I was like, oh my God, like a slasher movie set in one of these, like may Mayberry type towns, yeah. you know, and I thought it was the great, I thought it was the greatest idea in the world. And I grabbed my laptop and I wrote about 45 pages before I even got out of bed. Wow. Um, and originally it was a, a, a killer and it was, you know, the, the opening scene, it was called the Sunnyville terror. The opening scene remained almost word for word, the same as the opening scene of I was a teenage wear skunk with the two kids up at lover's lane. And she hears a noise and he's like, Oh, well, you're just, you know, escape mental patient with a hook for a hand <laughs> in that old story. And, you know, that was sort of the basis of it. It's like, let's do that. Like, let's make that story. Like, we'll open with these kids at the thing. And there is an escape mental patient. Um, but he didn't have a hook for a hand. His name was Wade the Blade. And he was a master with a knife. And um, so I, I wrote a bunch of it. And it just kind of wasn't working. Like, and I, and I, re- I love the dialogue. And I love the setting. And I, I went back to it you know, years passed and I would always, every now and then I'd break out the Sunnyville terror and I'd be like, I love this so much. Like I want to like finish this, but it just wasn't working. And I think I realized that like, as much as I liked the like juxtaposition of the slasher set in leave it to beaver, it just, it didn't work, you Mm -hmm. know, or at least in my execution of it didn't work. So I went a little more traditional. I was like, all right, well, what if I'll take away the whole serial killer slasher angle and I'll just make it like what that kind of movie would have been. We'll make it a monster. You know, and then it just sort of evolved from there where I realized like, oh, well, let's make we'll make it a wear thing, you know, or the kid, you know, the main character is the monster. And then, and then it just right. evolved. And it yeah. became, and one, once I figured that out, it, that I, I wrote it so fast, like uh-huh. three or four days, I went back through and I kind of rewrote what I had and adjusted it to make it fit the new story. And I wrote it so fast, which yeah. doesn't mean I didn't tinker with it for, you know, a couple years afterwards. But like the first draft was out like gangbusters. Yeah. When you haven't, this is just kind of a question. I'm going to, I'm going to try to, 
I'm going to try to ask you some things that might serve people who are who are writers themselves or want to be. When it hasn't come that quickly, when mm. you when you've had to work a little harder for it, mm. what's your? Do you have advice for? I mean, did you do you did develop? Did you develop a schedule for yourself, or um, um, how do you get how do you get that stuff churning when you need it to? You know, the answer there's every situation is different, and in certain situations, I just let it drop. Like sometimes, like. I have a lot of unfinished screenplays and novels, et cetera, in my hard drive. And, you know, and a lot of them I know, like, yeah, you know, I started that, I wasn't into it, and I know I'll never go back to it. You know, the Sunnyville Terror was one that I kept wanting to go back to. Um, so usually, like, I'm pretty fortunate in that, like, I really like to write. Like, I enjoy doing it. I don't, generally don't have to force myself to do it. And I've only had deadlines in a few times in my life where, like, directors or producers were expecting something from me. And in those cases, you just kind of, you just do it. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like John August, who's a, a very A-list screenwriter who has a podcast called Script Notes. And the subject of writer's block comes up a lot. And he's always like, it's not like, that's just, that's just you being a baby. Like, he doesn't, he didn't, those yeah. aren't the words he used. But he's like, you know, plumbers don't get plumber's block. Like, you just get up and you go to work, you yeah. know? And so, and that's I mean, a very Stephen King, you know, if you read on writing, that oh, he's yeah, just like, just do times. it, just write it. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. And But so, I mean, you know, again, if I have a deadline, if somebody's expecting it from me, I just make myself do it. If not, I'll either, I'll, I'll just let it go until I'm ready to write it, you know, or I'll drop it entirely if it's really not calling to me anymore. Sure. You know? um, yeah, I, it's, I mean, I, fortunately at the moment I have the freedom to just like, I'll just write when I want. And I'm lucky enough to be a person that does like to write. So yeah. I, I rarely have to actually force myself. As know? far as executing, making, I was a teenage wear skunk. Mm -hmm. What, when you decided like, we're going to, I'm going to make this, this is going to be a feature film. How did you even begin starting that process from day one of like, well, going to make a movie now <laughs> to the premiere that we all went to um, that was incredible and so much fun. Um, okay. Well, it started, I watched, are you familiar with Baghead by the DuPont Brothers? I love Baghead okay. and Baghead gave me uh, an anxiety attack. Oh. I had to... I, I was in a bad yeah, place in my to, life. That was tough to get but there. Like, uh, the, the, yes, the, the sort of towards the climax, I had to leave the room and like gather myself wow. and come back. I wasn't, again, it was a tough, I was already in a bad place, but it gave me, like that movie was, it blew my mind yeah. and I loved it yeah. and I love those guys. So, so do I. I invited them to the premiere, but I, I don't, I didn't have a real direct connect to them. So yeah. I'd, I'd sent them an email with the email address I had for them and I yeah. never got a response. Did you see Creep, by the way? Oh, yeah. Oh my God. Oh, without a doubt. So obsessed with that movie. Yeah, these guys are great. They're so great. Um, okay. So anyway, so I saw Baghead and I was kind of, I was a bit in a rut. Like I'd been working at this coffee shop for a while. I hadn't had any real successes and like I had nothing, I didn't have any motivation, momentum with anything at the moment and I watched Baghead and it just blew my it was so good and they made it I think for $10,000 so simple yeah and so and that like I was just like that was just sort of a eureka moment where I was like you know what like like I'm I'm sick you know because at the time I was trying to write really like Hollywood stuff and like I was still like trying to get an agent and sell you know but looking for that big spec sale and but and, and it wasn't really where my heart was like I don't like those kind of, well I like those kind of movies but that's I don't write those kind of movies like yeah. I'm not gonna write the big broad comedy which I was like trying to do uh, so that's when I like just had this, you know, tear it, tear all the walls down. It's like, all right, I'm making my own movie. Like, I'm tired of this crap. Like, I'm like, these guys made this thing for ten thousand dollars, and it's amazing. And so that's when I dug up. I had the Wareskunk script was finished then. Yeah. You know, it was just like this was written to be made for nothing. 
Um, and so what I did was I went through the script and I just completely broke it down. Like I broke it down like scene for scene and like organized everything by like the different locations and, and you just, you know, it's too much to talk about just on a podcast, but I yeah. literally like broke it down. Just everything. started the work. Right. And yeah. I scheduled it and then figured out like, okay, this is how, like if I need, you know, this is the crew I'm going to need on, you know, you'd make a schedule like, you know, I need the actors on this day and the crew and this is where we're going to do it and blah, blah, blah. And then you, you write up a, an estimated budget, you know, where you're like, all right, if I can afford to pay people a hundred bucks a day and blah, blah, blah. And I need this costume and this prop and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, you start to realize things might get too expensive. So you alter the script to adjust for that. And so then I, you know, I figured I, broke it all down and figured out, okay, the minimum that I can make this movie for is X amount of dollars. Mm -hmm. And now I'm going to get that money, Larry, you know, try, try my damnedest to get it. One step at a time. Casting. So that was the Um, first. How did you find, I mean, because I I listened to a podcast called Boys and Ghouls (laughs) and then I called them and asked them if they wanted to be in the movie. Not me, silly. Although, um, (laughs) uh, I'm very good in the movie and so is Marshall. Oh, you are spectacular. Um, thank you. That's it. Do people know that? Have you told that story? About yeah, I think we talked about okay. about us filming. Yeah, so that was so um, serendipity. It was just, just total serendipity. We're so just much like, fun. Yeah, I guess we should say um, we sort of touched on it, but but in short, I was a teenage wear skunk is uh, is kind of in the vein of like I was a teenage werewolf or right. something like that, where there is a and please maybe you should do this because I've only seen the okay. movie what once. Are we, what are we give us give just a short synopsis of the okay, movie. Yeah, I mean it's it's an homage to like you know back in the fifties um, and early sixties there was just you know, every weekend there was just, you know, horror movies and sci-fi movies and super cheap, you know, low budget. You can, you know, see the zipper on the monster costume, you know, like just, you know, and they were just cranking these things out, you know. And uh, so this is an homage to that. I mean, it's a comedy. Like, yeah. we're not really trying to scare anybody, but yeah. it's, you know, it has all the elements, you know, the horror elements. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's set in, there's no specific year, but there, you know, there's mentions to like Kennedy being president and certain, sure. so it's, you know, 61, let's yeah. say. Um, and it's body and fun, and because yeah, he, and everything's ah, gee whiz, and ah, shucks. Because and, his sexuality, the lead character's sexuality, gets tied up in uh, getting sprayed by a skunk. Right. He becomes this skunk monster when he gets right. it's, aroused. It's, it's not. And it's, it's, very it's, silly. it's not. It's not. It's not. Uh, it doesn't come to him with the onset of the full moon. It comes to him whenever he gets horny because yes. he's horny when he initially gets sprayed. He's spying on a neighbor lady undressing <laughs> in her window, and he gets sprayed in the face by the enchanted the skunk. The science so is tight. <laughs> it's uh, it's airtight. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. So and anyway. so yeah. So you um, you know, you got Marshall and I to do a, a cameo that we were so excited to do, and it turned out to be so fun. Where we starred in a movie within the movie, yes. where a couple of the characters are at the. The, they're at a theater. Yeah, well, they're watching, which was interesting. I don't know how interesting, but this that the scene. There's these two characters who are they're just having a conversation, and I had originally written that to take place in this soda pop shop that was already that was you know a scene previous took place in, but I was only going to be able to get that location for one day, and it had to be an overnight shoot, and I didn't think we were going to have time to shoot this other part of that scene. So I was like, all right, we'll just I'll set it somewhere else. We'll worry about it later. Um, and, and then, so first one idea was to have them like driving around in a convertible and we were going to do like the rear projection behind them and have that, but that turned out to be too complicated. And then I was finally like, Ooh, what if we put them like in a movie theater and we'll put the 3d glasses on them? Cause that was such a thing of the era, yeah. you know? So that was actually a way after, you know, there's no version of the script that has that scene actually taking place in the movie theater. Like it's yeah. supposed to take place in this, in this soda pop shop. Um, but so you know, we're, we'd finished shooting the movie and we cut it all together and it just seemed really weird 
to have these two sitting in the movie theater without ever cutting to the movie that they're watching. Like, mm-hmm. it just felt wrong. Um, and You're so, like, you know, we, we gotta had, have a movie. Right. So I was like, you know, we need to, we, you know, and we, I don't have the budget to like purchase, you know, it would have been great to have them actually watching I Was a Teenage Werewolf, sure. you know, but, you know, there's no money, you know, for, so I was like, well, we're gonna have to go out and shoot something. And I actually had this thing. I should, you, I had a whole, I had written a whole short called uh, It Came From Uranus. Really? Yeah, and it was, you know, 10, 12 pages long, and it was just <laughs> one joke that just kept going and going and going, but the humor, at least I hoped, was that it was going to be this terrible joke, but we just drag it out so long yeah. that it just gets it's funnier, like funny, and funnier and funnier and then it, It's one of those things, and then it gets, like, a little unfunny, and then the repetition right. makes it... Ca- like so outrageously funny again right. it writes that, that way. I mean that was the hope and I don't know if that yeah. would have worked out but that's not what we ended up shooting because we I only needed like l- less than a minute of footage to cut back and forth to yeah uh, so I really you know scaled it down into like a little two-page thing and it was just between uh, an astronomer uh, and his assistant named Smith and McMiniman yep and at the time that I was writing that and tinkering with it I was I had just discovered Cat and Marshall I was listening to a ton of boys and ghouls like I went through all their back catalog and I and so as I was writing this thing, I was hearing their voices <laughs> in, in, in my head. And, and then it just occurred to me, like, why don't I just, they're L.A. local. Like, I should just ask them to do it. And I emailed them. And we had had a correspondence before mm-hmm. um, regarding something else. But uh, I, I asked them if they wanted to do it. And they were both super excited to do so. And the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah, but it was it, fun. It, it we was... got to film a scene in a, in a, in a lab. Um, and a lot of butt jokes, and butt uh, jokes. we got to film a scene out in Griffith Park where yeah. we were um, attacked by a butt, attacked by a giant butt <laughs> alien, a which Uranesian. was so fun. Oh man, <laughs> um, such a blast! So, but casting your other actors, sure. first of all, I, 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 I'm struggling to think of any actor that's not great in it. I'm, I'm, I mean this, and casting is everything. Like, yeah. Your actors were so funny. Everyone really seemed to understand that tone of. Um, you know, oh my god, I think two of my favorite characters were the the, the sheriff, the dad, and sure. the mom. Right. Were just those two actors are incredible. So And then brilliant. also the, the, the woman who she played his wife. Right. right she also the, played his male deputy. That's so they, right. so those two were just always on screen together. So like, fun. That cross casting yeah, was so they fun. They knew each other from um you're familiar with Point Break Live? Yeah. They they were both cast members of that. So uh-huh. they knew each other. So she I had cast her first and my original sheriff had to bow out because of a tv uh commitment he had he, he got a, a part in a, yeah. you know a, re- a real he got a real game <laughs> uh, and so melanie the woman who plays the mother and the deputy suggested she's like you know there's this guy charlie that i do uh, point break live with and i think he would like just knock this right out of the park he so i brought him did. in to read and everybody knew and in fact the guy who was originally cast it wasn't even definite that he was going to get this TV show, but he was like, eh, he's like, you should probably start looking for somebody else just in case. Right. So he had this table read with Charlie and Mitch, the original actor, was at the table read. And afterwards he called me and he's like, look, whether I get the show or not, you should cast Charlie. Aww. And and I was, and I was so thankful for that because it was the, tr- and Mitch was great. Don't get me right. wrong. But I mean, Charlie was born to play this part. Sure. Yeah. And everybody fantastic. knew it, you know. Um, and you got Clayton Rohner, who yeah, Clayton, I was so excited about. Clayton's really awesome. He, um, I knew him. Yeah. And of course, I'm a huge, uh, just one of the guys fan. Like Me too. That, oh, that's what I knew him from. And yeah. when I, when you were talking about it and I looked at it on IMDb and I was like, Clayton Rohner, one of my childhood crushes from yeah. Just One of the Guys, is in this movie, yeah. I'm Sold. That's, like, right in my wheel. Like, that's at the same time period as, like, for the, the way I feel about Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street, I feel like I can pop in Just One of the Guys oh, anytime. If it's on television, yeah. I will watch it. Yeah. Every so time. So he, I met him, I was working, I was running this uh, coffee shop in Los Feliz, which was actually where 
I mean, I should give a shout out. It's a little, little Dom's deli attached to little Dom's restaurant in Los Feliz. Uh, I was running this coffee shop and it was a total neighborhood spot where like, you know, and I'd, I was, I'd been working there for five or six years. And so I just knew so many people and I had really great re- relationships with people. So when it came up, came time to raise the money, which I did mostly via a Kickstarter, so many of my backers were just customers of mine at Little Dom's. A lot of the cast were people that I had met there, like locations we shot at, like so much yeah. Uh, came from in fact that soda pop shop scene where the, that we were talking about was shot at little doms and i mean i i, I can't eat like little little dom should be the executive producer of right. this movie like so i the movie does not happen without without yeah. this place um but i bring that up because oh because clayton was a customer of mine how funny and uh yeah and we became really friendly you know um, um we we really liked each other a lot um and he and kind of a funny story about this he i um I wrote the part that he plays. I wrote it for him, but kind of thinking like, he's not going to do this. Like he's a little, you know, he's, this is non-union, you know, he, he's not going to do this. Uh, so when production, when I started getting into pre-production, he was like, Hey, let me know if you want me to be in it. And I was like, well, actually I wrote this part for you. Um, so anyway, down the road, and he kind of, he's off surfing in Costa Rica, and he's kind of tough to keep track of. He seems like a free spirit. Yeah, I met him at the premiere, and I yeah, was like, yeah. I went up to him, and I was like, I love you. And he was like, come over, let's <laughs> yeah, take yeah, a bit. Yeah. And my picture of him has a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. Yeah, he's just that guy. Super cool. Um, so he, so when the time came to, we were about a week away from shooting that scene, and I hadn't heard from Clayton. So I actually called Mitch, the guy that was originally supposed to play the sheriff who ended up getting replaced. And I was like, Hey Mitch, uh, how would you, I, you know, I have this other little part, you know, it was supposed to be for Clayton, but I don't think I have no idea where he is. I doubt he's going to do it. And Mitch was like, yeah, I'd love to, you know, I'd be honored. Literally get off the phone with Mitch and my phone rings. It's Clayton. Wow. And he's like, Hey, just wondering what's up with that movie. And so I had to call Mitch back and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry to do this. to I know. Wow. But yeah, but Clayton, Clayton was, and he's such a, you know, like you said, everybody on the cast was dynamite. Like, everybody was so good. I was so lucky to have the people that I had. But there's just a difference. Not that Clayton was better than anybody, but just a difference of... I mean, he's just so seasoned and oh, weathered and seasoned is the like, word that was on the tip of my yeah, tongue. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, could, like, you could just... There was just a difference in the way he approached the role. And, you know, you know like, you, you could just tell that this was a man who has been a legitimate actor for decades. That is his trade. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he was... Um, but like you yeah. know, there, there's a scene where he he swallows a cigarette butt and he chokes and he coughs, and I mean, I thought the man was going to keel over and die. You know, yeah. and like I mean, it was like you should see the outtakes of. I mean, his face is just turning purple and just so committed. Wow. Like, I mean, he really brought it. He was yeah. He That's was, awesome. He was, dy- he was dynamite. So, are you happy with with the results? Oh, I absolutely. Mean, yeah. Super proud of I, the film. I couldn't. I mean, it's it's. I, yeah. I mean, now that I'm enough removed from it like yeah I mean I couldn't it came out better than I ever expected it ever would have it's so fun to see you know um as I mean I know that there are some horror fans who just only want a lot of them in fact who just want the hardcore stuff and they're really into like they're they're the ones who are really hyped up for Rob Zombie's 31 you know that they're like they just want they want mayhem and they want guts and gore and I I enjoy that occasionally Mm -hmm. um but I you know I think a lot of people also appreciate the horror comedies and yeah. the and when people can take something and lovingly um, tip their hat to it and um, mimic you know the the lighting and the, and really 
horror and comedy are two sides of the same coin. So I you know, you, agree. right? You have you have to build. I kind of think they're the same side. Sure. Of the same, as a person I, who's not scared of monsters, like yeah. to me, they're all kind of comedies. Yeah, you know? I agree. So I think. Um, I mean, I can't recommend the movie enough. But you're you're here, um, and we're releasing this episode on October first. Yes. Because um, and if you're listening to it on the day it drops, hello, happy October, happy Halloween. Um, but but importantly, yes, there's going to be a run of the movie in Los Angeles at the Los Feliz Three. Yes, is that right? Uh, this is not set in stone, and there you know there's a good chance you're listening to this in December of 2017, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter anyway. But yeah, I'm working yeah. right now with the Los Feliz Three to to run it for a week, the week of October. 28th okay um and so i unfortunately i cannot say that's a sure thing but it's pretty likely um at any rate if if that doesn't happen i'm sure you'll find some way to get it right well i'm yeah and i'm i'm releasing i mean regardless i'm i'm putting it out october 28th it'll be available you know for for you know digital download digital purchase and you know dvd um uh, you can get through Amazon, et cetera. Or really, my mom will be thrilled. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, and I'll, all my friends we'll, too. We'll send her a free copy. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, unfortunately, like I don't. Yeah, the the plan is to have a day and date on October twenty eighth. Um, but I would say if you're interested, and uh, all the information is on the website. There's a www.teenagewearskunk.com. There's Twitter. There's Facebook. There's Instagram. I mean, it's. You know, just Google teenage wear skunk. I mean, there's not a lot, really just Google wear skunk. There's yeah. not a lot of other stuff. So if you're interested, you and can find us. And the Instagram account like, does a good job of showing you kind of the tone of the film. And, yeah, the and Instagram account is silly. a lot of fun. You should, yeah. it, it's uh, I think it's wear skunk one. I mm-hmm, think is the Instagram. Mm-hmm. And it, if nothing else, you 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 could uh, uh, go to that and just kind of scroll through some of. I've been trying to put out a new a new picture every day, whether it's a you know a, a screen a screen grab, or I've been doing these little comic panels or yeah, behind the scenes stuff. You know, like just really um, trying to trying to uh, generate a little bit of excitement for the for the upcoming release. And it is exciting. I mean, I've as a as somebody who's dabbled and done some acting in LA for for pay and not for pay, and I've done all kinds of stuff, and I've done things that you know you get you pour yourself into it and you get the finished product back and you're like oh my god I hope no one ever sees this <laughs> and um I was so pleasantly um I was so pleased I was wondering because uh, when, when we shot with you and, and it was way after principal like you know yeah. we, we never had like a large crew but I mean we you know we had a crew like there was you know 15 20 people milling about on set and lights and this and that and I mean it was a movie set yeah. but when you guys came around there was nothing. Like, I mean, principal was over. I've like been the, on sets that I mean, are even more bare bones than that. It was just that, my, so. <laughs> myself and the director of photography. And, like, I mean, I'm literally, like, holding the boom mic and recording. I mean, there was nothing. Like, you yeah. just reco- you just showed up to my apartment that, with a set made out of cardboard. And, it was like, a beautiful cardboard set. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad. Like, and you guys get it, you know, so oh, that yeah. was great. But I there's I think there's also a, a version of this where, like, the, the actors show up and they're like, what the hell is this? Like, yeah. get me out of well, here. Well, there's also you know? a version of this where the actors show up and it's not well written and it's and it sure. doesn't look because it, the thing is your cardboard set it, it's meant to look kind of janky because it's supposed right. to be like that bare bones like 50 sci-fi crap oh, yeah. movies um but you know but but the point is i was so happy i laughed out loud so many times watching oh, the movie in the theater and it was so cool to see it realized and like what an incredible amount of work went into that. So you should be really thrilled and congratulations. Yeah, and thank I mean, you again so much for asking us to be a part oh, of it. My pleasure. And like I said, if I'm fortunate enough to shoot the, uh, I'm currently working on an 80s summer camp slasher. I'm and, there. Uh, you got you and Marshall have a special scene written just for you. I hope my scene is me holding 
me naked with a penis holding someone's disembodied head (laughs) screaming until i until the reference you were making clicked with me i was like that's a really weird thing to say (laughs) that's really specific cat um no i don't i don't actually hope for that but i will do whatever you ask me to do yeah you're gonna love it Gosh, thanks so much for being here to chit chat. Thank you for having me, and thank you for being in my movie. And thank you for continuing to be a Boys and Ghouls listener. <laughs> Always. Yes. Okay, cool. Bye. Thanks, Kat. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to my conversation with Neil. If you're listening to this episode when it drops, keep a lookout on our social media accounts for updates on when you can snag a copy or stream I Was a Teenage Wear Skunk. We'd love for you to see it. If you're listening much later, it's probably already out there, so go find it. We hope you enjoyed this bonus episode of Boys and Ghouls, and we hope you'll join us for the next Behind the Screams. Until then, and as always, beware the moon.